The left and all the little gatekeepers on Twitter become literally hysterical if you use the term replacement. If you suggest that the Democratic Party is trying to replace the current electorate, the voters now casting ballots, with new people, more obedient voters from the third world. Welcome, fellow plebs. My name is Sean, and this is Tribunus Plebis. And hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. So this is just going to be a short episode, I think. And as I started to think about recording an episode today, I went back and I looked at every podcast I had done to see if I talked about othering and hatred yet. And surely it has come up at various points, but after 51 episodes, it looks like I never fully addressed it head on. So this is what we're going to do today. And the impetus here is the mass shooting that happened on Saturday, May 14th of 2022 in Buffalo, New York. After the shooting, a manifesto surfaced online, which authorities say they believe the suspect wrote. It cited the racist Great Replacement Theory, the false idea that whites are being replaced by people of color and that it will result in the extinction of the white race. This was no other way to describe it than white supremacy terrorism. It's racism. It's hatred. So back when I first started my blog, one of the first articles I put up was sort of a recycled Facebook post. It concerned as, you know, a backdrop to a broader point, the family separations and the kidnappings and imprisonments on the border, you know, back when that was a news story under Trump. And it's still going on under Biden, the man who helped create these concentration camps, by the way, if anyone's even interested in this anymore. But the broader point of that article was othering and demagoguery. Now, sadly, I feel the need to revisit this idea yet again because of what happened in Buffalo. And it's not that the problems of racism and othering and fear-mongering only happen in Buffalo or that Buffalo was some extremely unique, uh, you know, example. It's just that it's the most recent. And I'm going to do a, probably a little rant here before I get, you know, to a more direct discussion of the events in Buffalo, because I think that the context here will be useful. So please stick around. I promise I will do my best to tie this all together if you bear with me. So let's start with the term othering. Othering is the conscious, purposeful process of convincing a group of people that some other group of people are bad. Those people on the other side of the mountain, or more pertinent here, the other side of some relatively arbitrary imaginary line like a river or the ocean, you know, or even the globe, those people are the others. But there is an even more obvious form of othering here, and it's based on physical appearance and culture. These others, according to the demagogue, are the enemy. They are evil. That they are not you. In other words, they are different from us. Us being used as a rhetorical sword here in some way or another. And always included is a warning, a fear-mongering a threat. They are here to steal your women, or your food, or your children. Hell, even your country. With the Buffalo shooting, it was, at least in part, a racist conspiracy theory which is popular amongst the alt-right chuds, which states that the governments are complicit in lowering 
white birth rate and increasing the birth rates of non-whites to replace the white people. Here is current Congressional Representative Lauren Boebert echoing many of these arguments herself. To top it off, they want to grant amnesty and a path to citizenship to 8 million illegal aliens. Yes, there is um, definitely a replacement theory that's going on right now. We are killing American jobs and bringing in illegal aliens from all over the world to replace them if Americans will not comply with the tyrannical orders that are coming down from the White House. So, yeah, current sitting officials are just saying this shit with no fear of recriminations. This is why we should always punch Nazis. And these people like Boebert or, you know, other Trumpites or people like Tucker Carlson, and we will get to him in a bit, are the people that we should be punching right in their stupid, weaselly little faces. It's all nonsense, of course, but it seems to be pretty alluring to dumb shits like this monster in Buffalo. It seems pretty alluring to the Trump wing of this country in particular as well where it has been continually weaponized into a sort of soft white supremacy at the very least. I had a family member once mention uh, during Trump's second year that Utah is the last place that you can go in this country where you can be a real American. What did that mean? The answer was kind of mealy-mouthed, but it kind of felt like it was basically that Utah is mostly white. This stuff also seems alluring to conservative Democrats like Pelosi and Schumer as well. Sadly, this sort of fear-mongering is probably as old as people have existed. It probably began as legitimate or semi-legitimate concerns for bands of humans trying to avoid predatory bands of other humans. Then it began to take hold among nomad bands and eventually hunter-gatherers and so on. It was a convenient and maybe a necessary or at least prudent defense mechanism, I guess, or maybe just a way to generate societal approval towards, you know, like primitive colonization or conversely, a defense from that sort of depraved sort of violence, I guess. If you have a small, rudimentary village at one end of a valley, and there's another similar village at the other end, and there are only so many deer, so many berry bushes, and so much arable land, Where would one's mind go, and what legend might it construct of those who live in that other village, and why they are killing the deer you suppose belong to you, and stripping those berry bushes that you believe are yours? You declare them the enemy. And not just an enemy, but a savage, brutal, bloodthirsty enemy. An enemy which wants to replace you, exert their own culture, and rape your wife because that makes it easier to club them over the head with a bludgeon as you attack during the middle of the night. So just think about how easy this sort of thinking must be. Resources are limited, that other group is using them as well, and if we have fewer resources, then we might die. So let's go kill them. And people have largely gone along with these ideas. Right, wrong, or some other thing, this fomenting of hatred just worked. It worked very well, in fact. Think about how easy that form of othering was. How easy it was to leverage real-life worries into hatred and death. Now think about how easy it is to slide from something like resource worries into hatred for something like looks, or culture, or religion. 
But while this may be the oldest or at least longest running form of this concept, in later years it became something quite different. Well, this is an awkward episode for this, but I guess it needs to be done. So I want to thank Chris for being a day one subscriber on our Buy Me a Coffee page. Sorry it's such a depressing episode, my friend. And sorry that there are no dorks in it that I remember. But seriously, thank you. I truly appreciate your generosity. Your help will really go a long way. If anyone else is interested in supporting our independent commentary here at Tribunus Plebis Media, please consider making a one-time donation or a recurring subscription at our Buy Me A Coffee page. Buymeacoffee.com slash Tribunus Plebis. There will also be a link in the description. Thank you. And now back to the episode. Othering, in an American context, goes back to its founding. Othering of black Africans is the real beginning of racism as we know it, actually. Yeah, the sort of racism we had during the slavery period, and right to this day. That didn't really exist before America invented it to justify slave labor. After all, chattel slavery required the literal ownership of one group of people by another. How could one man own another? It made no sense on its face. So a fiction was created. That fiction is a form of white supremacy. That fiction said that black people, people with dark skin, they were not human. They were another species, another race. They were less than. They were animals. They were savage. They were animals sent by God to be owned by white men. And yes, the church absolutely was down with this too. And when I say the church, I really mean the church, like the Pope and shit. This is a man-made concept, and it was made through rhetoric. There is no, you know, natural law here. No group of people had ever operated under a system of racism like this before. None of this shit was understood this way anywhere else in the world. Nobody had historically cared that much about skin color. So the white plantation owners, southern politicians and preachers, and to be fair, it wasn't all southerners or just southerners, but we all understand about slavery here. Let's not, you know, goof around with each other. But these planters and politicians and preachers and so on, they developed the rhetoric. The rhetoric of the white men being the superior race and the black men being inferior. It was developed in search of capitalist profiteering. That's really the core of it. After all, what wage is cheaper than free? They said it, they repeated it, and they eventually believed it. And their audience believed it too. They eventually bought it hook, line, and sinker. And it continues on through the years, through a hundred different ways, in dozens of different groups. Asians came here to build the railroads. They were dehumanized. Irish came here to escape the potato famine, and weirdly enough, they were considered black, or almost black. They were one step removed from animals. Italians, Jews, and Germans, they faced similar prejudices. And of course, we can't leave out the Native Americans here, the first people on this continent to be othered as savages and heathens and warred against by European colonizers. The natives were decreed a savage, hostile people, and they were murdered for it. Their lands were taken over by force, stolen, they were lied to, segregated on reservations, and vilified. And when the natives were properly sequestered on tiny plots of shitty land, their entire culture was stripped from them in so-called Indian schools 
in a multi-generational cultural genocide to follow the physical genocide of earlier years. Before the racialization of these groups was a thing, it was preceded by things like religious and nation-state oppression. Things like heretic and heathen mattered more than skin color. But from there, from those sorts of roots, along with other factors, sprang racism and othering as we know it. Now, the current you know, new sort of argument we are seeing is a modernization of the othering language of heresy, theft, disease, and filthiness. We heard, for example, right from the beginning of the COVID pandemic, and through a filter of racism and racist language, that the Chinese are killing us because they are not clean or because they are just evil. And this wasn't a story spread through word of mouth that leaked from an underground racist subculture either. It was relayed day after day, night after night, hour after hour, for weeks and months, and now full years later, that the Chinese people, and Asian people more broadly, are to be blamed and feared. And it was broadcast so broadly, and so consistently, not by assholes and white hoods, but by the corporate media, the so-called new media, and right on up to the actual government of this country, right to the actual president of this country at the time, right to senators and representatives and their PR departments. It continues to this very second. So how does all of this relate to the horrific shooting in Buffalo where a white supremacist shitbag walked into a supermarket and shot 13 people, killing 11 of them, all but two being black? Well, what I want to point out here is that this sort of thinly veiled racist fear-mongering in the media continues to this day. Fox News, in particular, is shoving a steady diet of this garbage down our throats every night when they have racist scumbag Tucker Carlson on the air. But wait, my centrist and conservative listeners and friends might say, he isn't racist. I never heard him say the N-word or say that some other race is inferior. And I say that you haven't actually been listening. The Buffalo shooter wrote in his manifesto that the racist, white supremacist Nazi theory, referred to as the Great Replacement, is one of the main reasons that he wrote the N-word on his gun and murdered as many black people as he could while live-streaming it. He wrote in this sixth screed, which of course opened with a picture of a Sonnenrad, a popular neo-Nazi symbol, that one of the main things he wanted people to know is that the white race was being exterminated because they weren't breeding enough and the other people, the dark-skinned people, would soon outnumber the whites. And this isn't anything new. In fact, just last episode, I mentioned how Teddy Roosevelt was making great replacement arguments in a letter he wrote way back in 1906. So, yay America? So how could I possibly tie the most popular news commentator in the country on one of the most popular news networks in the country to this abhorrent line of thought that led to this monster to murder so many people in this brutal hate crime? Well, I'll just let Tucker's words do my work for me. They're trying to change the population of the United States. And they hate it when you say that because it's true, but that's exactly what they're doing. Is anyone pushing back? 
at all. I have less political power because they're importing a brand new electorate. Why should I sit back and take that? Okay, listen, I know somebody out there is like, well, he didn't quite say it was replacement theory, so I don't know. Well, here he is being even more brazen because Americans don't really give a shit about racism and what this all means. An unrelenting stream of immigration. But why? Well, Joe Biden just said it, to change the racial mix of the country. That's the reason, to reduce the political power of people whose ancestors lived here and dramatically increase the proportion of Americans newly arrived from the third world. And then Biden went further. He said that non-white DNA is the, quote, source of our strength. Imagine saying that. This is the language of eugenics. It's horrifying. But there's a reason Biden said it. In political terms, this policy is called the Great Replacement, the replacement of legacy Americans with more obedient people from faraway countries. And I'm going to put a couple more here. Here they are. How much longer do you think Americans will put up with this? How long before Americans start to take border enforcement into their own hands. We have absolutely the right to know. We should demand to know now. Every time they import a new voter, I become disenfranchised as a mm. current voter. No, they're not allowed to do that. Why are we putting up with this? Most people go along with this absurd standard. They dutifully shut up. They don't think they have a choice. You wonder how much longer they imagine Americans are gonna go along with this. It can't go on forever, but you can see why they're trying it. Demographic change is the key to the Democratic Party's political ambitions. Our leaders have no right to encourage foreigners to move to this country in order to change election results. Abrupt change causes social chaos, always. What will the consequences of that change, of that revolution be? In your bones, you know the answer. It's terrifying. And it doesn't have to happen. You cannot overstate the scale of demographic change underway right now in the United States. It's a direct assault on our democracy. They don't even really care about your vote anymore. Their goal is to make you irrelevant. You're just an American citizen, shut up and obey. They know that calling you a racist is the fastest way to make you obey. In other words, you're being replaced and there's nothing you can do about it. So shut up. <laughs> People like Carlson or Judge Janine or really any other white supremacist will scream about that other village or those other people. They'll tell you that those foreigners are dirty, filthy animals. They are creeping towards your village and when they get close, they will eat all of your bananas or sweet potatoes and, you know, they're all thieves. They are not even human. Seriously, they actually will say shit like that. Here's our good friend Tucker Carlson again, but this time it's his guest who spews the hatred in the othering, and Tucker simply fails to challenge this nonsense, thereby assenting to its truthfulness. We're connoisseurs of irony on the show, but if you claim to care about the environment, you think that the little piece of America you're responsible for, that you represent in the Congress, would be clean, but hers isn't. Why? Well, uh, part of the reason is because uh, her district is actually one of the least American districts in the country. And by that, I, I don't mean that it's not part of America, but it's occupied by relatively few American citizens. Uh, a very high percentage of, of her district is, in fact, illegal aliens. Um, now, the way they inhabit housing there is such that they live in a lot of illegal spaces like basements, and many people live there. So 
they wind up producing a lot of garbage that the landlords don't want thrown out normally. So hence, you wind up with a lot of garbage on the streets. You have illegal food vendors pouring their pig grease into the gutters. Yeah, I mean, I worked out there. It's, it's, it can be a little gross. The accusations of filth, degeneracy, and depravity. It's nothing new for white supremacists to use language like this when talking about people who don't quite look like them. To describe people who look or live just differently enough to be othered. Often that difference is little more than simply not living in your immediate community or having skin which is two shades too dark or different shaped eyes or a different religion. Mexicans, for example, are not necessarily othered when they live directly in your neighborhood. It's at least more difficult to other people who you walk your dogs with and sit next to at the local restaurant than when you have never actually met them. I think. It certainly can be done, it just not as easily. Again, I think. You can Google that if you want, but I'm, I feel like that's right. People tend to be made others because you lack contact with them. The religious and skin color stuff just makes it that much easier to do. When Mexicans become rapists and murderers, it dehumanizes an entire group of people into something other than, other than whatever you think of yourself as. Often these terms are used with a wink and a nod. People don't say, those Mexicans are thieves. They say, thieves are pouring over our border. And then wink and nod to the audience. We all know who those people are, right? Wink, wink. And before I continue, I need to tell you something. Those people coming over the border, they are stealing your jobs. Now, who did you think of? I bet they were probably brown and not a big presence in your neighborhood. Was I right? This is how othering works. When a group of families traveling in a large group towards the United States, the caravan we heard about a couple years ago, and the president of the United States gets behind a podium and uses words like invasion and questions whether they are diseased, he is othering. And he's kind of nodding towards that great replacement stuff again. He is manipulating people into viewing these huddled masses as enemies, as attackers. He is sending the military to the border to protect us from these invaders. He doesn't send the military because the country is actually under threat. He sends it to reinforce the racist narrative. When Trump and his administration used words like criminal, rapist, thieves and animals, or words like infest and invade, they were not being flippant. They were being calculating, constantly dehumanizing, making these other humans less human, making them enemies through purposeful use of powerful language. This is the goal. This is white supremacy. This is the sort of poison that fed that killer in Buffalo. Friends and neighbors don't invade. Criminals and rapists do. Human beings don't infest. Vermin and insects and animals do. And left unsaid is that it is entirely okay to kill vermin in our society. These people know that if we hear that a mother and her two-year-old daughter were torn apart and detained, most of us would care at, at, at at least some level. But vermin? It's easier to ignore vermin being caged. Stopping an infestation is an easier sell than stopping a desperate mother and infant daughter fleeing for their safety. 
infestation animals, criminals, they're easier to hate than families. Biden, he doesn't use the same language, yet cages on the border remain. Laws aren't being changed. The underlying systemic issues, they remain fixed and firm. The Biden administration just hides the continuation of the Trump era in much, much older policies under Benetton colors and neutral language. Now, moving on, there are two very important things that we need to understand here, I think. The first is that this is all not a mistake. Othering is not a side effect. This language that came from the Trump White House and its allies was purposeful and intentional. Foreigners were not, and are not, being othered accidentally. They are being targeted. That administration understood that words mattered, and they used them to manipulate us in a very precise manner, to fear and to hate. In much the same way, the Biden administration understands these concepts as well. They're just good at switching from blatantly racist and xenophobic language to a more liberally acceptable legalese. The language of neo-Nazis, fascists, and white supremacists are not mistakes either, which is pretty obvious, I suppose, but they use the same tactics. The tactics are so close, by the way, that it's not easy and probably not even possible to tell whether the out-and-out racists are borrowing from our political parties or vice versa. The other thing that's hard to tell here is whether or not either of those things is actually different from the other one. And that's a pretty goddamn scary thing to think about. And continuing off that, the language which Tucker uses is not a mistake. It's intentional. In fact, one of his writers was fired a while back for going on racist rants on social media. These are the sorts of people he hires to help him write his monologues, okay? This is not a mistake. It's not poor word choices. It's not coincidence. Tucker Carlson actually believes these things, and he wants his listeners to believe it as well. Allegedly. The second thing we need to understand here is that this sort of language, these dog whistles, and these news anchors like Tucker Carlson actually just using terms like Great Replacement and using all of the related rhetoric in their television shows, it leads to hatred and fear and violence amongst their audience. 13 innocent souls in Buffalo learned just how deadly such messaging can be this past Saturday. Those who currently hold power understand the issues in this country. They know who is afraid of which genuine issues, and they know where they live. They understand how to leverage these real present fears through language into distrust and hate, and they are doing it. The demagogues use this dangerous, hateful rhetoric to cast blame upon the others, the others being whichever convenient, faraway group they can find, people who the demagogue others don't look like those he speaks to. They have a different culture, worship a different god, and maybe even wear different hats. The demagogue vilifies and labels and demeans. The demagogue does it over and over again until it feels true to his audience. The target audience begins to disassociate and hate whoever is being othered. Then the distrust and hatred begins to feed itself, sadly, through the very technology that was supposed to unite our disparate communities. The hate then metastasizes into full-blown cancer. 
othering results in death. It results in the brutal, hate-fueled massacre of 11 beautiful human beings in a Pennsylvania synagogue by a white supremacist. It ends with the murder of 45 loving people and the wounding of 35 more in Christchurch, New Zealand by a white supremacist. Othering has soldiers with rifles being sent to our southern border to resist the invasion of immigrants legally seeking asylum. Othering leads the suffering to blame others who are suffering for their own pain. It also leads to those suffering people to attack those who they have been convinced are harming them. Othering and the spreading of great replacement bullshit in our most popular network news show leads directly, not in a roundabout way, but directly to an 18-year-old white supremacist walking into a Buffalo supermarket with the N-word scrawled on his gun where he live-streamed his murderous hatred and the deaths of multiple people of color. Allegedly. We need to understand this concept of othering, and both the popularity of and the hatred behind stuff like the Great Replacement Theory, because we need to fight it with everything we have. We need to fight it to protect ourselves from its effects, and we need to fight it to protect our communities from its insipid creep. It's no longer acceptable to say, oh boy, isn't that terrible what that guy said? It's No, it's time to fight back. These murderous goons don't deserve to be debated or platformed or talked to. Punch supremacists, punch racists, and punch Nazis. And that, my friends, is the end of the episode. If you like what we do here at Tribunus Plebeis Media, please consider subscribing or making a one-time donation on our Buy Me a Coffee page. Also, please don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just search Tribunus Plebeis Media and it'll pop right up. Uh, Also, if you're listening on Apple, please rate and review. It's really one of the best ways that you can help us. Uh, Also, if you liked the episode, please share it um, on social media and everything. Uh, I guess that's it. Uh, This one's kind of depressing. These stories really, they're really like gut punches, but I guess we got to cover them. So, That's it, guys. Thank you very much. I love you all.